Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one super-sized page of Talmud every day. And on today's pages, Nazir 39 and 40, we are doing something we have never done before. We are welcoming to the show not one, but two amazing guests who I love so dearly. The first one I really love dearly, as she is my beloved wife. Hello, Lisa Ann Sandel. Hi, Leo. And the second one I love... Also very dearly. Hello, Rabbi David Bashevkin. What an absolute pleasure to be here. So here we all are in our living room, all snug as a storm rages outside. And this is a perfect opportunity to speak about something that is very close to my heart, or shall I say, close to my beard. And let me share a little passage with you. And furthermore, says the Gemara, when old men dye their beards, we see that the beards turn white at the roots of their hair. You can learn from it that hair grows from the bottom, as the new hair is not dyed. The Gemara concludes, indeed, learn from it that it is so. Now, I take great pride and pleasure in my very white beard, uh, which I don't dye and shan't ever dye. Uh, I frequently had this discussion with you, Lisa Ann Sandel, who does not dye her hair, but frequently looks at me and says, well, I don't know why you're being so judgy about people who choose to do so. I appreciate your perhaps intentional forgetfulness, but I do dye my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Shows how much I know. Now tell me all about it. My hair is going gray and I dye it brown to cover the gray. Walk me through this process, which in my state of male privilege, obliviousness, (laughs) uh, doesn't even compute. Um, My sense of female pride is very wrapped up in my not looking my age, I guess, middle-aged. And so I color my hair in the hopes that I will look younger than I am. And when you look at my whitish beard, do you feel... A sense of, huh, why why doesn't he do the same? It would look No, more... because men look better as they get older, and I feel a sense of profound unfairness and injustice. That's what I feel. <laughs> now, Rabbi David Bashevkin, I envy you, I have to say. I, I know envy is a is a or jealousy is a horrible emotion, but I envy you two things. First of all, of course, your your amazing learnedness, which I always seek to kind of emulate. But if we're being very honest, you have incredible hair. You have a shock of white hair, which, you know, I, I wish I had. I'm, I'm not there yet. How do you feel about it? It's so interesting. You know, I wasn't supposed to be a part of this conversation. You, you were originally going to pick a different passage and topic on this page. I said, I'll sit this one out. And then you said, I want to talk about dying hair. And I said, I actually think I, I should be a part of this. If you've ever met me or seen a picture of me, you will notice, as you aptly described, that I have incredibly white hair. I'm now in my late 30s, so I guess I've grown into it. But when I first started going gray and getting white hair, I was a teenager. I was a young teenager. I was 16 years old when I saw my first white hair. And I will be perfectly frank with you, it was terrifying. 
I felt like I was going through a midlife crisis. I felt a little bit like the the picture of Dorian Gray where I felt I was deteriorating. And I had what I would say is a traumatic existential crisis and I felt like I was withering. And my first reaction was to pluck them out one by one, which I did and I became very adept at guiding my hand through the device of a mirror, which is not easy, uh, with tweezers and plucking them out. And it's so interesting because the uh, halacha in Jewish law actually frowns upon men plucking out their white hairs. They want to cultivate an ethic where your self-image is not reflective of your interior worth. Same for women, by the way? No, they appreciate the fact that exactly what Lisa said, that for whatever reason, women feel that sense of like, okay, my my beauty, my image is really connected in that way uh, to myself. So the halach actually differentiates based on gender in terms of... Again, it's not the most important. It's not one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, and there are a lot of, uh, you know, ways that even for men, you know, if it's giving you a lot of distress. So I continued to pluck because I was in distress. And there was a period when I would dye my hair. I would go into CVS. I was probably maybe 19 years old. I would go into CVS. I would buy Grecian men's hair formula. And I want you to know there is no longer walk for a 19-year-old than the aisle in CVS where the Grecian men's hair formula is and the cash register. (laughs) Because Lord knows you could bump into anyone there. And it was really scary at that point. You you see a 19-year-old with a basket full of men's hair formula it What's in terrifying. the bag? Just, just some incontinence medicine. Don't and, worry about it. Nothing and, and embarrassing. I don't, even, I don't even want to get into the details of how I had to apply it when I was in yeshiva, which had a shared bathroom. Aww. I mean, that is not a simple thing. I'd have <laughs> oh, to wake Lord. up in the middle of the night to apply it, lest somebody see me. I'd have to go into a stall, and then you know we had this kind of like shared. It wasn't a, a shared showers, but you have these showers on the other side of the bathroom that you have to run into, and I'd have it in my hair. The reason why I felt so compelled to talk about this, and God willing, I plan on writing about this, is because I believe your connection to hair and disassociating the state of your hair with your interior self-worth is at the heart of Tractate Nazir. For a lot of people, when they hear the word hair and a Tractate of Talmud talking about your relationship to hair, they're like, sounds weird, you know, like, I'll, I'll skip intro, let's fast forward to the next tractate. This tractate, it's almost bizarre to say, is so deeply personal to me, is so a part of my own personal avoda, I can't think of a better word, my inner work of what I had to do for over a decade of disassociating my image that I saw reflected in the mirror to what my interior self-worth was, I look at myself as the inverted Nazir, as somebody who had to figure out and create space between my reflection and myself, not because I was so obsessed with my beauty, but because I felt so hampered by my ugliness. How did that change? I mean, how did you go? Because here you are, a handsome and confident 30-something-year-old. Very, very uh, when was the moment in which you thought, you know what, okay, white, it's glorious? It was a very slow change, and it's when I began to build the confidence of self, which could take a lifetime for others. I mean, th- 
people in their 40s and 50s who start, you know, their image starts to change. I mean, they go through crises. They start buying Porsches and, you know, like their marriages can fall apart. They, they start like really, re I think for me, it was really reorienting what gives me vitality and being able to let go of my external youth as the source of my vitality and move it to the true source of my self-worth, which is my interiority. That took years. I'm still going through that process, as I think many people do. But I was forced to start early, and I was forced to not rely on the vitality and excitement and youthfulness that I think so many other educators, individuals, people rely upon. And I think it was a very real message for me is that you need to find the source of the vitality of your sense of self. Don't rely on the reflection of the mirror. Find something that is timeless and enduring, regardless of what that reflection seems to be telling you. Now, Lisa, and when, when you hear such beautiful, profoundly wise words from our friend here, uh, does that give you cause or pause <laughs> to say, okay, you know what? Maybe next time around when I visit the hairdresser, I'm going to say, no, nah, skip it this time. It's It was really, really inspiring. But I do think that for women, it's different. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think Halacha recognizes that. I think there's something that I, I'm not going to speculate about what that is. But, but it's not that different. I mean, when I was 16, it was very hard and I would not wish that upon somebody willingly. It was something that I had to, I knew I needed to make peace with it. And I don't know why I didn't just continue dying it. I don't know when that changed, probably in my late 20s. But at some point I was able to make peace uh, with my reflection. Well, for what it's worth, I think both of you are very beautiful inside and out. Thank you so much, you, Lisa, for being my wife. <laughs> you david for being my teacher and friend and both of you for being my guests thank you so much liel my absolute pleasure this has been take one if you enjoy the show and i hope that you do please go rate and review us on apple podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and Get your Take One merch, t-shirts, mugs, and other great stuff at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Roskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Tanya Singer, Courtney Hazlett, Robert Scarmucha, and Mark Oppenheimer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic. Thank you.